Welcome to the Agency Builders Podcast, where in weekly episodes, Andre and Christian from the KnowledgeX team will provide actionable advice on how to build an agency business by interviewing guests who have already done it and who are currently doing it successfully. So if you're wanting to build an agency or if you're currently building an agency, be sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy the free value. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Agency Builders podcast today. It's a pleasure of ours to have Brian Whittington on the podcast with us. He is the founder of uh, EBS Growth, an agency just south of us in Pennsylvania. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you and uh, your invite. Of course, man. So for the audience out there, if you could just real quick uh, walk them through what EBS growth is. What do you do? Uh, what's your day-to-day responsibility and what are you currently working on? Okay. So uh, EBS growth, what we do is we help organizations to sell faster. So we're a, a B2B service company that has three tranches to help companies sell faster. One is hiring sales talent. Two is sales development, right? So if you have great sales talent, good sales development structure, then you also need the third one, which is sales data. So we do those three tranches to help organizations sell faster, sales talent, sales development, and sales data. So day to day operation, I pull out my hair um, and, and just try to build it up, right? So we're, we're fairly new. Um, and so we're still in the throes of building the business. How do we um, identify the biggest headwinds, get to the root cause, puts right people and process in place and then find the next one to fix that. So that's the day to day. What I do is put out fires and fix stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a lot of agency builders and agency owners out there can relate to that. I mean, I feel like the agency business in general, there's so many moving pieces and moving parts. And when you're at the helm, there's so much to kind of oversee. So it's cool because uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. So real quick, just as a, you know, someone that knows a lot about you and your business, I'm curious, how did you come up with the name uh, EBS growth? Like, what does it mean? Cause I feel like people get stuck on naming their business and it might uh, cause them not to start the business in general. So I'm interested to hear your process. Oh my gosh, this is an embarrassing story. So we, we, um, our, our true name is evergreen business services and there's about a million and one evergreen business services. And that's a, a conversation over an adult beverage of choice uh, on that, <laughs> how that came about. Um, but you know, we couldn't find a, uh, we couldn't find a website. So EBS growth was there and that's how we started calling ourselves EBS growth. So we're probably going to have to do a name change or at least a DBA. So yeah, not a great story there. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of people get caught up in the name, like our name is KnowledgeX and we named ourselves that because we're helping knowledge-based businesses take their uh, courses online and it doesn't relate anything to what we're doing now, but it's like, whatever, like the name doesn't matter as much as obviously you and the value you bring. Um, So speaking of value, I mean, you help people hire sales talent properly and efficiently. So I feel like a big topic of discussion in the agency world is, you know, hiring good talent that'll actually complement you and what you do and and help the business. So do you want to speak on you know, what are some things people can look for when they go to hire? Yeah, so I would think a, a couple of things. One is, um, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent and then pull it back here for you, Christian. Whenever you're looking to, to hire talent, I really believe that you have to have the systems and processes set up in, in place already, right? So if you as the founder don't know how to sell this service, then you're surely not going to be able to hire somebody. And don't be one of these foolhardy people that go, well, I just need somebody part-time, right? 
know what is going to be required, whether you call it math of sales, science of sales, how much outreach, how are they going to do the outreach? What are they going to say on the outreach? Um, because that's really going to determine the type of salesperson that you're going to hire. Because if I'm doing outreach like what you guys are doing through LinkedIn, leveraging LinkedIn, I need some a, a really strong writer, somebody that has some, some humor to it. That's going to be completely different than if I'm hiring a person that's going to do telephone. Is it inbound or outbound? So I really have to know what my go-to-market strategy is and then where the handoffs are. So if I know that sales process and I know what they're supposed to say, how they're supposed to say it, building out that playbook then I can probably be in a good place to then identify the right type of person to hire, looking at specific competencies. So what are their skills, experience, their attitude fit, to fit within the culture? What results have they shown in the past? How smart do they need to be, all right? If I have a super complicated sales process or super co complicated offering, I need somebody that's a little bit smarter, or if it's just really churn and burn, I'm just like 399 course online, I could basically get, you know, virtually anybody to do that. So it's going to pick up the phone. Maybe they're more process oriented. And then lastly, habits and hobbies. What are they doing on their downside? If it's a team approach, I don't need a whole bunch of individualism. I want a team player. If it's, you know, they're going to be remote and really have to do a lot of work on their own. I want to look for a former track athlete, um, you know, a swimmer, some type of unique athletic prowess or some type of gritty person that doesn't need to be as sociable, right? So there's a lot that goes into it. So identifying what you sell, who you are, how you're going to do it, your go-to-market, that's really going to identify the type of person that you're going to hire. So that was a lot, hopefully not too much. Oh man, that was a, a big value bomb. And the biggest thing that I take away from that, that I feel like is just a hard truth that a lot of agency owners have to face out there is just, you have to know on a really deep level what it is you're providing and how it is that you're providing it. So it sounds like for the most part, the easiest, what makes hiring for you easy is understanding exactly what you're looking for. Whereas a lot of people are kind of making it guesswork. They don't know their processes. They don't know their systems. They don't know what it is they even want to hire for and what that hire is supposed to do. So there's a lot of systems that have to be put in place for, you know, one of these guys to come in and fill. So can you talk about, uh, I guess, how you put the proper systems in place to make it easy for when you actually do find one of these, uh, fits to, to fill a role? Yeah. So um, from a sourcing perspective, it really gets to that top of the funnel. So the curious thing is, and, and you, you gentlemen will really know how to do this, right? Because hiring for hiring talent, there is virtually zero difference between getting new talent or new um, customer acquisition. It's the same methodology. It's the same process. So you can really leverage the same type of thing. So how do you do it? Well, you need to source. So we have our SDR sourcer is going out and doing talent. So whether you're paying through the nose on LinkedIn, it's a good tool, but you're going to pay through the nose or you're using some alternative, um, you know, platforms, whether you're getting resumes off of some of these like Indeed or ZipRecruiter, or we're using some AI assisted tools like Aria and LeoForce. Um, you, there's all kinds of different ways, but that top of the funnel is critical because what you're going to find is you're going to get about a 50% better hit rate from a passive client or passive candidate as opposed to an active candidate. So what do I mean by that? If they are currently employed, I need 50% fewer candidates through my funnel to find that one than if it's hiring off of Indeed or some job board. I'm going to need about 100 to 150 applicants 
on those on those active searchers that are unemployed to find my one true hit. So it's a real real force of labor. So that's kind of our SDR person that's doing that. And then we bring them into the AE, if you will, that account executive uh, on our area is called a talent specialist. So they really know how to do um, reading the assessments, watching. So we leverage technology, right? So how do you do a video on demand interview so you can save time. Then we take them through an assessment to make sure not only can they sell, but will they sell? And do they have the specific attributes that are going to blend with our, our team and the role? Um, so once they're able to, then that talent specialist is able to view those two things, the assessment video on demand interview, then they're able to do a behavioral interview. So you're really good at asking questions, right? That's part of your premise on LinkedIn, you're prospecting. So asking really good behavioral interview questions, make sure that they have a specific example, because if they can't give examples, they're just a good interviewer with a good resume and they won't sell anything. So make sure that you can go two, three, four, five layers deep. So that AE is really responsible for that. So that's the demo of what the culture is. Asking those really, um, to use your word, Andre, probing questions to make sure that we can really try to truly find out who this person is. And then from there, it's the presentation. So, um, you know, whether it's a challenger sale, spin selling, Sandler, that negative sell, whatever you want to call it, Chris Boss's um, labeling, you almost want to take that away and make sure that this is a true fit where the person's going to lean into it and go, yeah, I want to do that. You almost sell them out of it. So that's all part of that, that process as well. So you have that top of the funnel, middle of the funnel for the hiring process. And lastly, onboarding is critical. And if I might, I won't get paid for this, but this right here, a company called, or a book called Clockwork, like Mike Michalowicz, it's chapter five, step four, building processes. It's the best way that I would find or encourage you, especially if you're building your company, um, to start building out your playbook, start building out that onboarding. So that way, whenever you bring somebody on, they can systematically go through that onboarding process and they're not going to need as, hand, uh, as much handholding from you as, as otherwise. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard yeah, no. of that book. Awesome value right there. To anyone listening, definitely check out that book. I mean, your your level of expertise in one specific niche or concentration is so, it's clearly you could just go on for days and days about this kind of stuff. So how did you, I guess this is a two-part question. Like first, how did you decide you're so passionate about sales and hiring and talent acquisition? And then second, how have you positioned yourself, you know, amongst your peers in the market as this expert that people can come to for this? Yeah. So like any good salesperson, I ended up here, right? Um, <laughs> you, you rarely start out with the idea of sales. I think you're starting to see that now, but I, I was a pilot for goodness sakes, right? I lost my flying career. And what I learned whenever I was a flight instructor, or whenever I was flying, um, it's extremely expensive to pay for your flying. So one way to do that is you become a flight instructor. And I don't know why I remember it. It was this crappy little book about, you know, a quarter inch thick with 1960 red government art on it. And the only thing that I remember from that full, that stupid book was it said this, um, you know, that learning has taken place whenever behavior has changed. And for whatever reason, that really stuck with me. And so by becoming a flight instructor, that taught me how to fly because that person was trying to kill me in all different ways. 
Like, I didn't even know that they could try to kill you all the different ways to try to do that. And they would ask you these crazy questions that you never thought of before. So it forced you to learn that. So that set me on a path to whenever I wasn't good at something, I learned, uh, I looked to see if I could teach it to somebody else. So it's been like a 15 year endeavor to be candid with you, Christian, of of learning this stuff. Um, You know, starting off with the e-myth revisited of how to set up systems and process. Then it went to Dan Kennedy for marketing. Um, So then it was marketing systems and process. And then it went to sales. Then it went to Sandler. And then it went to EOS and all of these systems and processes. uh, And and apparently I'm a slow learner. You're supposed to be an overnight success in 10 years. It's taken me a little bit longer, (laughs) right? So um, how do I compete myself against peers is we cheat. We use um, systems and processes that have been proven out because other people are smarter than I. So I just take what works and I adapt them into our organization. And then once that's all laid out, then I put technology to help expand that. So technology instead of headcount um, is a lot easier. It's, it's difficult to set up, but that's the way that we look to stand ourselves out. Man. That's so cool to hear like your whole process and journey leading up to this point. And uh, I mean, I think a big recurring theme just from that answer and from everything else that you've kind of covered throughout this interview is uh, self-education, right? Not knowing all the answers and also not having to know all the answers. So you mentioned you obviously have shared some great resources and tools and dropped some names and books and whatnot with the audience. Um, But like, what is your self-education routine if you have one, like, how do you make sure that you're constantly staying up to date and refreshed with everything that's going on in the marketplace? Yeah. Um, so I'm a horrible reader. Um, you know, I have this whole bookshelf behind me there, but I'm a horrible reader. So I, um, I'm audible. I do a ton of audible. I, I, I check out webinars all the time. I immerse myself in, in a topic and I look for, for commonalities and themes, right. And, and then, um, so on a daily basis, I'm reading at least a half hour, hour a day, usually. Um, I'm constantly tinkering, right? So if I read it, so my line is this, knowledge for knowledge sake is pointless. It's knowledge for application sake. If you're reading 12 books a year, who cares? Are you going to read one and do something with it? Um, so whenever I read something, I, I take it and apply it. But I, I, in the old days, and this would be maybe a good lesson learned in the old days, I would take it and do it like they said. Now I bring what they said, the concept, the idea, and bring it into our organization and make it our own. So I think that's, that, uh, it's not shocking, but that took me a while to figure that one out. So it's really making things our own. And, and the cool thing is there's nothing new under the sun because principles work no matter what. So once you start to find the principles and you've studied it so long, you're going to say, oh, that's how this comes into play. So that's why I know, go to Clockwork, Chapter 5, dive that into EOS, the whole entire accountability, you know, this, we call it a success map because we're bringing in 12-week gear and scaling up Vern Harnish stuff. So we know how to blend all that stuff together. Um, and, and you'll start to see that there's nothing new. Got it. I'll just take this piece, tap it to here. Well, and then you got it. Yeah, I love that. I feel like people are like, oh, I've read 12 books on marketing this year. Look at me. It's like, okay, what have you learned to apply to your business? Like the whole point of reading is to apply it to whatever you're doing. Like I read a copywriting book a few a few months ago and it was written in like early 2000s when everything was like mail-in, mail-in stuff and no internet. <laughs> Excuse me. 
And it was, it was like direct response. I'm like, how does this apply to me? Everything we do is digital. It's like this, it's like people aren't mailing anything in. It's all internet. And then I realized like just applying the principles of what he's saying in regards to, you know, evoking interest will never really change regardless of the medium. So I kind of looked at it through that lens and how can I take what he says and apply it to, you know, what we're doing is this is when I really understood how important even old books are, even if it's not the same context as today. Yeah. And the, and the beauty is that gives you a different perspective. And if you can glean the process out of that, that's whenever that you can really start to set yourself apart. Yep. So I love it. hundred percent. Yeah. So, okay. Let's say someone's, you know, they've read books, they're applying stuff to their business. They're seeing results. Uh, if you could just touch on when, when and how to properly scale a business, if you will, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they get, they get to that first benchmark and then they want to either scale too fast or just get complacent. So what's your take on, on properly scaling a business? Oh yeah. So that one's hard, right? So uh, I, I would say you have to really start with the end in mind. Day one, what's your exit strategy? If you don't know what the end game is, then how will you know whenever you're there? And, and depending on what your end strategy is, is going to determine how you, you build this thing up. Because if I'm looking for a lifestyle, lifestyle business, great, then be comfortable with that and, and live that out and enjoy it. Just realize there's parity in a lifestyle business, because if it's you or a few people, one person leaves, it's no longer a lifestyle business. You're, you're, you're struggling to get through it. And also on the scaling side, um, you know, it's really easy to over to grow too quickly. So true story. Um, you know, 2020 is really whenever we kicked off. The pandemic hit, we, we lost all of our pipeline. And thankfully, with what we do, we were able to fill it back up pretty darn quickly. So we oversold our capacity because we didn't have the proper systems and processes in place. And um, it hurt us. And so I would say, realistically, figure out and I'll go back and I'm not pitching EOS, right? Because we run it on EOS, but um, get, get this concept, please. They have what's called an accountability chart. And I, 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 if, you're, if you care, I can send you, I made a video on it. It's called success mapping. If you use an accountability chart or this success mapping, that really allows you to do resource planning and be extremely explicit on your constraints. When you're doing that resource planning, get very explicit on the time involved. What all is going to happen? What all I need to do? Do I need technology or people to do it? And if you can figure out your constraints, then you can figure out the, how fast you need to scale. And then in order for you to scale fast, you're going to have to figure out what's the onboarding process of my people look like. How quickly can I onboard my new clients? So it really gets down to a theory of constraints. If you can figure out where all your constraints are, that will tell you how fast you can scale. And those are the areas to problem solve. So you can, that's, if you can fix your theory of constraints, that's where you can blow the doors off. Got it. So that sounds like basically taking an audit of all the different things that go into running the day-to-day -day business and basically looking at, okay, if we were to take on X more clients, these are the areas that would, you know, problems would arise and do we solve it with technology or do we solve it with placing someone, you know, as a hire to, to handle that is what it sounds like. Yeah. Cause there's really three ways to solve. Now I'm going to oversimplify, but if you think about it over simplistically, there's three ways to fix a problem. 
One, it's the, per the person, it rarely is. Two, it's the technology, it rarely is. Three, it's the way you do it, process. So if you can fix the process and figure out if it's a person or a technology that's gonna run that process, that's where you put good systems in place to be able to scale. Well, I mean, yeah, that is oversimplistic, but that's so, so helpful. Like I'm just thinking of some things that we're looking at internally at our agency and just being able to point to those three things and really figure out what needs to be changed or what needs to be modified. I feel like that's like such an easy and quick way to look at things is, is it people, is it technology, or is it just the way that we go about doing this specific thing? And if that way is not working, then I feel like you could do what you do, which is refer to, you know, ways that have worked in the past, right? Go back to principles, go back to self-education, revisit books, and just look at uh, what experts have done over the years. And I feel like that's, you know, the easiest way to get past that. So that's all super helpful. Um, all great stuff. I have one question that I feel like is kind of just like going way back to a lower level or when you first started the agency, which was uh, like, how did you guys go out and get your first client? Because I feel like a lot of people are struggling uh, to not only validate their idea, but also to get a client that can help them to validate their idea. And I also feel like that's part of the sales process. So I guess, how do you get your first client? And then how do you continue to get more clients? What are some different acquisition strategies that you guys practice? So when we started, we didn't start until we had a client. Um, well, that's not true. Um, July, I was asked to no longer participate with my uh, a company I was with because um, there was a little bit of... Um, conflicting conflict of interest. So they, they had asked me to leave at the end of July. So I, I ended up getting, um, you know, really thrown into this, but this new, you know, the sales development side where we started in 2020, that really started in earnest with a first client. So we sold the concept, then I bought everything to be able to do it. So I sold it first and then did it. So take away from that, please. Don't buy anything. Don't invest in anything until you can write it out in paper and sell the idea. Um, you know, think a lean startup, that minimal viable product. If you can't sell the idea, then it's probably not an idea worth, worth investing in. So build it, minimal viable product, at least the idea, and then sell it. So that's the first piece. Um, and then what was your second part of that question? I was, I was just asking around like, okay, now that you've proven your concept, you know that people are out there that actually want to purchase your product. How do you uh, continue to, uh, I guess, to get, get clients. clients? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of different ways, right? So one, we're leveraging your organization to get uh, to work on LinkedIn. Um, two, we, we eat our own dog food, right? So we, uh, we do um, sales development as a service for our clients, but we do it ourselves. So we're using different technologies. So we're making, you know, 10,000 dials, uh, 10,000 dials a, a week. Um, yeah, exactly. You should see Christian's oh, face. Wow. You got to check that out on YouTube. <laughs> um, so we're doing 10,000 dials a week, right? Using some different technologies. We're sending out emails. Um, but candidly, we haven't found emails to work terribly well. So we find the best way to get people on the phone or um, calling people that actually pick up the phone and having conversations. That's where we get the bulk of our business. Um, so we're doing that. And we sell from a perspective. There's a, a, a book out there by La Patrick Lincioni called um, Getting Naked. And it's a really curious way of, of selling that 
you sell like a problem solving solutioning session that you you work with that prospect just as though you're already working with them. And that's kind of the way that we sell is if we find out that we're not going to be the best solution, then we say, hey, I can't help you. And then hopefully we can make a recommendation and they become great advocates for us. So we found that works really well. So it's outbound dialing, leveraging um, organizations like you uh, to do LinkedIn stuff. We're still working on our email stuff. We've never found that to work out terribly well. We're, we're bootstrapped, so we're not spending money on marketing. So um, it, it's really the old school way of picking up the phone and having conversations. Man, that's so cool. $10,000. I mean, that's impressive. I feel like a lot of people are going to have the same reaction that Christian and I did. Um, and then just real quick, one last question that I had, which is kind of a selfish question is, what do you, I guess, what do you recommend for picking up the phone and doing cold calls? Like what is your go-to uh, when picking up the phone? Cause I feel like a lot of people out there, including myself are kind of shy with the phone. Obviously they could go and find an SDR that's more well-versed, but if you're kind of like a solopreneur that just wants to get the job done, what do you recommend for uh, cold calling? Any tips? Yeah. So you can do a couple of things. One, you know, shameless plug, you can outsource to our organization um, or two, get comfortable with what you're doing. And it goes to a couple of things. One, what's your mindset? If you believe that you're an interruption, then it's going to come across that way. My belief is it's their lucky day that they're picking up their phone and talking to me and not to be arrogant, but I really believe that what we can do and we can help organizations from paying a horrible amount of money for bad salespeople or worse, bad sales leaders, right? So that's one piece. Two is... Um, Leverage what's out there. There's so much content out there, like a Josh Braun or a Katie Dorsey or all of these people on, on um, LinkedIn. There's just a ton, a ton of content. Um, so we use a, a Sandler, Chris Voss, Josh Braun-esque type of, of methodology, right? So it would be something along the lines of, uh, hey, Andre, Brian Whittington, listen, you and I haven't spoken before. Do you mind if I bottom line the reason for me reaching out? Sure, go ahead. Hey, listen, what I, uh, reason I'm reaching out to you is we had noticed that you're hiring and I wanted to see if it would be a terrible idea um, for us to set aside, aside some time to share with you about a, a less risky, lower cost approach uh, and avoid bad sales hires. So that's the reason for my, my call would it be a terrible idea to schedule some time to learn a little bit more? And that would be the entry, right? And then we're just looking at having a conversation off of that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that works so well because you're the way you position the question of would it be a terrible idea? I feel like people always tend to go no. And if they're answering no to that question, it's really a yes, essentially to what you, at least to, to your offer. So it's cool to play on words and it's definitely different than what you hear from a lot of like these robotic call centers that are they just sound like they don't want to be there so i think it's hey how are you today uh, you know, <laughs> i'd love to get a demo scheduled with you it doesn't work yeah yeah you could tell right away i feel like like you said i think it starts with that foundation of having that deep belief in what you do is going to help these people that you pick up the phone and talk to yep, yep. agreed we value for all the sales guys out there if you're listening <laughs> uh, so my last question we do a little before we move into what we call the lightning round, which we always have with, I just have a quick Ooh, question. lightning round. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, but, it's storming right now, so we're getting true legit lightning. So this would be great. <laughs> here too, here too, yeah. Um, so my last question is, you know, we we talk a lot about zooming out to, to really set long-term goals. So what do you feel like is coming up next for you? Like, do you have any long-term goals set? Uh, what do you think is going to 
be the nature of your business in six months, a year down the road? Yeah. So uh, a year down the road, we're going to have a complete um, sales incubation service offering, right? So uh, we're going to be able to take people the whole way through. So no matter where you're coming off of, whether you're coming off of college campuses or Maybe you're, you're looking to transition out of your, whatever job that you have in getting into sale. sales. We're going to have a talent incubation, sales talent incubation service. So that's gonna, our number one goal for this year to be able to do that. Um, and off of that, I think a staffing play is going to develop because, um, you know, who wouldn't want to try before they, they buy? So they could staff make sure the person fits from a, a skills perspective as well as a cultural perspective. And when they do, then they can hire them. And if they don't, we're not going to hire anybody that we wouldn't hire themselves. So we'd just pull them into our side and sell for us. So um, that that's where I see us going. And then after that, it's how in the world do we better leverage technology where it's not eating us, right? Because it's super easy to go into tech, technological debt. Um, and, and that's something that a real fear of mine is, you know, everything under the sun is, hey, for $17 a month, and then that turns into like $700 a month, which turns into $10,000 a month. Um, you know, it starts to get pretty expensive and eating into your margins. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, uh, that's cool. I feel like just cause just thinking of like how quickly you were able to answer that question and clearly map out what it is that you guys are looking to accomplish says a lot about everything that you said leading up to that point of like having the vision, knowing where you want to go before you even start. I feel like, uh, you're on, you're on the right track and you're already having a lot of success. So, uh, cool. We will get into uh, the lightning round, which is exciting as it sounds, at least in my opinion. So you need uh, some sound effects here. You need like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe talk about technology costs. I mean, we're trying to keep the podcast. You know, <laughs> anyways, the first question, there's only four questions, so not a long session, but the first question is, I think, do you, do you have a Twitter or what's your main social media platform? So main social media is, uh, is LinkedIn and I do have a, a Twitter account. Um, I'll have to look that up and we can put it in the notes. Yeah. So the reason I ask is because of the nature of this question. So we'll ask you too at the end uh, to plug all of your socials and your website and whatnot. But the, this first question in the lightning round is if you could send out one message, whether it be on Twitter or on LinkedIn, that's guaranteed to be seen by every user on the platform. What would you say in that message and why? Oh, <laughs> be authentic, be kind, help others. Man, what a, what a guy. What a so, guy. <laughs> you should hear some of our other guests. They're just saying, follow us here, buy our product here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of mean people that don't do anything. It's just be nice for goodness sakes. Help somebody Love out. It. Love it. 100%. Yep. So this one kind of goes along with what I just asked. But if you if we had you on for another interview one year from now in 2022, uh, what's the one thing you'd want to have accomplished by then? Uh, that we have our... Uh, our, our talent incubation process up and rolling. We're staffing for organizations and uh, our clients love us and our impact in communities in a positive way. Beautiful. Nice. Nice. Okay. So the next question you're handling these like an expert. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, we gotta, we gotta ramp up these questions, Christian. Um, the next question is what's one thing I know I'm sure there are plenty, but what's one thing that you could think of that you know now, or yeah, that you wish you knew when you first started? How hard this would have been, I wouldn't have started. <laughs> 
<laughs> man that's <laughs> that's so funny because i was thinking the same thing it's like oh as i feel like when you go in you have like uh such uneducated optimism about how, how it's gonna go and then you just hit with reality but yeah so sometimes stupidity is helpful so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just getting started instead of psyching yourself out yeah uh, so for the last one uh we you know you want us to ramp it up so What's nine to the twenty seventh? No, I'm just kidding. Seven hundred forty three thousand six hundred and fifty two. <laughs> I just made that up. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was. <laughs> all right, you mentioned cutting down on software costs for your, what you do. So what were what would three software tools be that you could never axe that you would have to keep on to survive as an agency or a business? Oh, the one I won't plug because I hate them. Um, I would say. Um, the other one I don't like either, but um, shoot, I don't like any of them, but they're all key <laughs> to this. So one, one I'll use is we're using a parallel dialer. Um, so whether it's you, you're leveraging Connect and Sell or Orem, I'd really highly suggest those. Um, another key platform is some type of a um, sequencer or automation. So whether you're using... Um, uh, front spin, uh, if you're an organization like ours, or if you're using um, outreach or uh, sales loft or phone burner, something along those lines, those are two key ones. And then third is some type of data, right? If you can't get at the sales data, those things are kind of useless. So that, that sales data is critical. So um, I would plug us in lieu of these other ones, but you know, whether Zoom, Seamless, um, Cognizant, those those are three good ones. Um, so those those would be the three. Solid. Yeah, I feel like those are all tools that we've yet to hear, uh, and they're very specific to sales, which is definitely a lot of value to guys that listen to our episodes. So that was great, uh, Brian. Lots of value. So I mean, the last question, and this is the last question, is where can everyone find you? I mean, they're listening to this podcast. They hear someone that clearly has a lot of experience and a lot of expertise to share outside of just, you know, this short podcast interview. So where can they follow you? Where can they learn more about your services and how you can help them out with the sales process or whatever it is that they want to learn? Yeah. So easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Check me out. It's Brian with a Y. That's why I can't spell. Neither could my parents. It's B-R-Y-A-M, Brian Whittington with an H in there. Um, so um, check me out there. Company, I have a company page, EBS Growth. We spell it Evergreen Business Services and EBS Growth. So you can find us as both the ways there. I did find my Twitter. Um, it's at EBS underscore growth. So that's my Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. You can check us out there. Um, I used to be on Clubhouse, but I've <laughs> been so heads down. I haven't been hanging out there, but I'll, I'm looking to get back there as well. So yeah, but check me out on um, on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get me. And you have a podcast as well, or is that? Oh yeah, son of a gun. I should be probably <laughs> pimping that out. So yeah, so we have a, a podcast called the Talent Sales and Scale Show where we talk about all of these in depth, having really cool people on there. Um, I always look to be the dumbest person in the room. So um, that's how I hire. That's where I roll. So that's why I'm hanging out with you too. So I can be dumb and learn say, from you, you guys. Today. You today. <laughs> I doubt that you guys have we all kinds of, <laughs> you guys have all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so no, this was, this was great. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll, we'll look to have you on a year from now to hear all about uh, the great work that you guys are doing over there. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Hey guys, it's Andre again. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen into this episode. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with a fellow agency builder. If you'd like to continue the conversation, be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Andre Heichel Jr. And finally, if you need further help building your agency, visit our website at www.knowledgex.us. See you next time.